Good morning. This morning's word is found in the Pew Bible on pages 814 to 815, and then in the following Jesus Bible, page 136, excuse me, 1036. It's in Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38, chapter 10, 1, and verse 5. And it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Chapter 10, verse 1. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no towns of the Samaritans. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's good to be back. As you know, I was gone last Sunday, and uh, the, the way we like to introduce our preachers is to wait a week before we introduce who's preaching. So last week, uh, I just got lost in the mix. Corey Duncan, that was who was preaching for us last Sunday. An old friend of mine, he's an associate pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. But as it turns out, I was supposed to be gone this Sunday, too. Um, our plans changed maybe a month ago, and we had already lined up a guest preacher for us uh, who also uh, has served Brazilians throughout his life. And so we had a special event Friday night for the Brazilian church plant, and uh, we didn't want to cancel that. So uh, I said, Pastor, come on and preach for us, well, even though I'm here. So I, I'm really happy. I've never actually heard Pastor Medeiros uh, preach in person. So um, let me introduce uh, Dr. Medeiros. So his name is Elias Medeiros. Uh, he is an ordained minister of the gospel, I believe in the PCA and the IPB. Um, he uh, is a doctor three times over, which is three times more than I have. He has a, a doctorate of ministry, a doctorate of missiology, and a Ph.D. He served for many years at Reformed Theological Seminary in Jackson. Uh, teaching missiology. Uh, he is retired from that and is now uh, working with the D-Men students in Brazil. Uh, and beyond that, you planted churches in the Amazon, in Recife. Uh, so we have a lot of uh, wisdom uh, that we can learn from you this morning, brother. And uh, I told him, just bring the word to us. So brother, we're glad to have you. Thank you for being here. Now, can you hear me now? Good, good. I could preach without it. I grew up in Brazil preaching the streets. But it's a great privilege for me to be here with my wife and to have this kind of fellowship. And I have been here a few times before, and especially meeting this Brazilian group. But I'd like you to keep your Bibles open. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38, and some verses of chapter 10. We have already prayed for the Holy Spirit to use it. And my prayer is always that the Holy Spirit give me illumination. Not only when I'm reading in slow motion the scriptures. But also while I'm preaching that the Holy Spirit bring illumination to my heart and to my mind. And also to those who are here listening to. The text you have read 
and you have heard. It is kind of a repetition for Matthew. And I'd like you to, to call your attention to this because this morning I would like to talk with you as Jesus the church planter. He's unique. He is unique. He's the head of the church. But we have a lot to learn from Jesus. Because many times we think that all success in our lives as pastors, and by the way, I have been in ministry for 47 years as an ordained minister. And as we get involved in ministry and uh, counseling, you name it, and many times we think that it depends on what kind of strategy you are using. And I have a different message for you this morning, although I do not disregard strategies. But if you keep your Bibles, I hope that you're going to follow me. This statement here in Matthew 9.35 is in God, the Gospel of Matthew. Already several months, of, well, who knows, maybe one, at least one year already in his ministry. The Bible says this. When it comes here in verse 35, he says this. Now, I want to read again just this statement. But I'd like you to do as I do with my meditation every single day. Thank you, brother, for doing this work here to teach the people how to meditate, how to hear God every single day. You read the Bible in slow motion. That's the way I meditate in this book every single day. Seeing what you're reading. There is nothing wrong to use your imagination. Don't be fictional. Seeing what you're reading. Hearing what you're reading. Savoring what you're reading. Thinking through what you're reading. Praying as you read. In slow motion. You'll be fed. And something is going to happen in your life, as Psalm 119 says, open my eyes, and I may see the wonders of your word. There are wonders, and I hope you're going to see it in this verse that probably you have read so many times. There are wonders. There is bread to be eaten. There's water to be drinking. There is rivers to be by. There is calm to be experienced. Peace and joy. And love to be experienced as you go through this that my dear brother is teaching you all. And I hope you're going to see it. I'm going to just repeat this statement here. Oh, and by the way, when you study the Bible, I have a, have a map for you. And if you have some good pictures of that time, do it. Because I want you to picture it, to see it. Listen to this. 
Then Jesus, you see Jesus, went about, can you see him walking? All the cities and villages. Matthew is here just summarizing the active, not passive, ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, he is just here expanded a little bit more for us to begin to look. And by the way, remember, we are followers of Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. And when I read that my Jesus, when he was here physically, because he's here right now with us spiritually, he promised to be with us every single day. The Father is here, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us in our midst here right now. And as a follower of Jesus, sometimes I wonder, Lord, I have been in so many places this weekend. I have been gone about so many. The Bible says that forever Jesus was going, he was very intentional. He was very intentional. Everywhere he went, every place he go, with every person that he met, with everything he said, with everything he thought, he always was very intentional. He would not waste. I preach once here, you were not here. He was, he was never wasted his geography. Never. Now, but this is the second time in the Gospel of Matthew that Matthew brings this summary of Jesus' ministry. The first time this expression appears, go with me back to Matthew chapter 4. Let me put my watch here. Because if I cannot cover these four points here, that's okay with me. Cover one. Go to Matthew chapter 4. This is the the beginning of the public ministry of Christ according to Matthew. And as Jesus began, he began to, immediately you began to see, he changed place to go to Capernaum. And the Bible says, and he went there to Capernaum. Listen to the geography. He went there to Capernaum. The Bible says, not just because John the Baptist was put in prison. That was the reason to start. But he moved. Because the one who was preaching, he was in prison. Now that he, he understood by God's providence and the way God led him, there was a time for him to move from Nazareth to Capernaum. But then it was based on a prophecy in, in chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. It's a prophecy from Isaiah. God had coordinated all his moves. Bible says he moved there because there was a prophecy. And by the way, there is a psalm that speaks about that as well. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness had seen a great light. 
and upon those who sat in the region of shadow of death, life has dawned. And from that point on, Jesus began to preach that the king is here. The point is this. What for did he went to those places? Because there was a prophecy. So that he could get there as a light to people in darkness. As light to people in death. My friend, we have to consider our life in the life and the light of Jesus. With the ultimate purpose that Jesus wants for us. I know you have probably here medical doctors, engineers, uh, lawyers, whatever you have here. In any area of life. And I know you have your job. My friend, my, your job is just a means by which you glorify God and bring people to know you. To know Jesus. So how is it? I'm a doctor. Yes, do your best. You know why? Because you're a medical doctor that belongs to Jesus. And you want to do your best for Him. You want to, do, you want to be the best in your area. So that you, know, you can do the best for the people. And when they, they really are so in love with you and say, This is because of the one who loved me so much that gave himself for me. Jesus Christ. That's the way a Christian lives his life. By the way, if I'm screaming here, I'm not mad at you, okay? I'm just excited because that's the way Jesus wants us to live our lives. Whatever area, fishing, whatever you're doing, do it and do it in the best way that you can. Because you want to do it for His glory. Didn't Paul said that? When you eat, or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And he said that in 1 Corinthians 10.31. And added two more things. That don't be a stumbling block. Neither for the Jews or the Greeks means the lost. Not to the church. And he says, and I do all things to save some. No, so I do all things for the glory of God. So that in some way or another, the church may be edified for what I'm doing. The lost may be saved. And I want to win some. And then he concludes with these words. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's, the, that's Jesus. That's the ultimate thing. And listen, by saying that. After Jesus began to recruit the first disciples, as you find here, you find in verse 23, Matthew 4, 23. That's the text I want you to read again. Because as Jesus began his ministry, listen how Matthew summarized Jesus' work. And Jesus went about all Galilee. That's the place he was living there in Capernaum. He went all Galilee. And doing the same thing. Teaching their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and kinds of disease among the people. And his fame is, people began to know him, and began to come to follow him, and to come to see him. But when you come to Matthew chapter 9 verse 35, Matthew now expanded Jesus' ministries, not only just by Galilee, not just wherever you are living. But the Bible says Jesus, this Jesus, 
went about all the cities and villages. Let me tell you something, my friend. I'm so excited to be here. Let me tell you, Jesus is the most strange, stranger, not stranger, strange church planter that you can ever think of. And I'm going to tell you why. The prophets, the prophets in the Old Testament prophesied that he was coming. And he, when he would come to this earth, his people would be in disarray. His people will be one here, one there, but the church, his people, you cannot find G God's people when Jesus came. There was one there waiting for him. One there believed he was coming. But the leadership of God's people, the Pharisees and the scribes, were misleading these people to hell. He said that in Matthew 23. The prophet said that one day he will come as the shepherd, God's shepherd in this world. And Jesus came to bring back his people again. There was no, no God's people as a group of people. But some people waiting for the, and Christ came. Then the movement you have today, we started everything with Christ. Christ comes to bring back his people. And some of them were already expecting the coming of the Jesus. Like the parents of John the Baptist. But as a group of people, my friend, none. And Jesus began reaching out to people. Preaching. Sharing. And some began to believe. And he began to disciple them. And later on he ministered about 70 disciples he had. And later on he comes and says, I'm going to set up 12 of them to be my apostles. You see, Jesus organizing, reorganizing his people. People come to me and say, the church is starting the day of Pentecost. No! The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the church. The church always existed. But there are times that the church is dispersed. You look around. You see one here, one there. But where is the people come towards him? And Jesus came to do that. And he began to do it. And he began to train some. And when you come to the end of his ministry. Right before his ascension, my friend. You know that Jesus left a group of 120 people in Jerusalem. He regrouped his people. And he said he's going to send the Holy Spirit upon them. That they could make a difference throughout the whole world. And here we are in Covington, Mississippi. Oh, Louisiana, sorry. Can you imagine? That's the way he started. There was no God's people as a group. Have people all dispersed. And he began to bring some who already believed. Some who didn't believe, he began to preach to them. And he began to bring them. And therefore, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages. And he really brought back his people. And the church in Jerusalem was not planted by Peter. There was a church that Jesus Christ planted. And by the way, after his resurrection, the apostle Paul said that he was sent for more than... 500 brothers. Can you imagine? Less than three and a half years of ministry. And my cousin, what is the secret, Jesus? What is the secret? People say, oh, that's the strategy. I'm going to tell you something now. 
the secret is not the strategy. People say, you see, look, the secret is that we are not winning our people because we are so quiet in our place. We don't take initiative to go to our neighbors. We don't take initiative to go to people, to talk with them, to share the gospel with them. We are not intentionally doing that. That's why, let me tell you, my friend, even if you decide today that you say, oh, no, I want to be like Jesus, and from this point on, I'm going to be very intentional. Tomorrow when I'm going to my place of work, I'm going and say, Lord, give an opportunity somewhere or another here to share the gospel with people. But in such a way that will be proper and that will not jeopardize the job. And from this point on, Lord, that's the, the way I'm going to do. I'm going to do my best here, Lord. My best as in this area of my expertise. My best because I want to please you, Lord. Because I know you gave me this and I want to serve you this way. And when these people see the way I'm doing the job, maybe they come and say, man, you are tremendous. I say, no, I have a tremendous Lord. I serve him. I told before I retired from Reformed Theological Seminary last May 2020, when I became emeritus, I said, I have been working here for 27 years. I didn't work for RTS. I was working for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In RTS! Through RTS! And they understood perfectly. And they didn't want anyone to come to, to work for RTS. They want people who come to work for the Lord through and in RTS. And let me tell you, dear brothers and sisters, the greatest need, whatever you are, in whatever profession you are, wherever you are, the greatest need of that place is not someone that works well for that place. It's the one who works for the glory of God, doing his best. That place will benefit from it, and you'll have opportunities. Now, this, the other thing that you begin to find here, just that statement, Jesus went about all the cities and villages. That's very strange. Let me tell you why. I plant churches in the Amazon jungle. I plant churches in Recife during my time in seminary for five and a half years. Several going there. But I have never heard of someone who came, for example, someone that would come to plant a church in Mandeville, he would go to preach everywhere in Louisiana. Have you heard of that? Have you ever heard of someone say, hey, I came to plant a church in Manville, and he began to preach everywhere in Louisiana. That's Jesus. You see, at the end, most of those people in Jerusalem moved from Galilee to Jerusalem. He went everywhere, my friends, spreading the gospel, spreading the seed. And come to the end, and he has, after three and a half years, has at least 120 people committed to him. Is it the strategy? In other words, I see that he was always actively, never passively, committed and involved in the Father's work. But I'm going to give one lesson for today. I know the time is coming. Your pastor said that I could keep preaching. I'm not going to do that. I'm going just to finish this first point, And I'm going to give the outline of the other three. And that's it. Because this first point for me is crucial. Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Remember that at the end in Matthew 28, 
Jesus said, having gone, make disciples of all the nations. Having gone means as you go. And by the way, he's not thinking about going overseas there. There's nothing about it. Wherever you go, make disciples. Wherever you are, think and pray for the Lord to give an opportunity to know people, to contact people, to know people, and to share the gospel with these people. Wherever you go. That's my prayer every single day, Lord. I'm in the hotel, my prayer, Lord, give an opportunity in the hotel to talk to someone, to know. By the way, I don't need 30 minutes or one hour to know someone. In five minutes sometimes, I can know someone at least from where they are from. And many times the opportunity for me as a Brazilian is unbelievable. I told you once, you probably don't remember, but my students at the seminary, many times when I began to share, said, hey, during this week I had it was in Walmart, whatever it was, that I had this opportunity to, to contact this person, to know this person, share the gospel with this person. Have, and one day, said, Dr. why don't I have those experiences? I said, my friend, the Bible says, wherever you go, contact people. Get to know them. And ask the Lord to give you the opportunity to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. I go to the assembly with my wife, and I am more the driver. And when I got there, she goes and she knows where the things are. She goes, by, by, by. They say, okay, go there. And you know what I do? I begin to look around. Not the, the, what you have there. Look around to see if anybody there just looking around like me. And you find. And sometimes I see those people giving you samples, and I look, there is nobody close to them. I would like to know a little bit about them. So easy. Just, just go there. Say, hi, my name is Elias. How long have you, how long have you been working here? No, I want to know a little bit about that. By the way, I'm really interested to know about them. And they say, and sometimes they, by my accent, they look at me and said, where are you from? And I say, I'm from Brazil. They know a little bit about my life already. And then they ask the question that I always pray the Lord to, for them to ask. What are you doing here? Ha! What am I doing here? I'm in the seminary teaching. Telling people about Jesus. Training people to tell others about Jesus. And that's what I tell them. And then I ask, do you know Jesus? I could spend the rest of the day telling you about stories, about stories in my pilgrimage here in Mississippi and in USA. I have never had a week without meeting someone who already knew Jesus and I could strengthen and encourage or who do not know Jesus. One day students said, ah, oh, Dr. Medeiros, they hear you because of your accent. They like your accent. And I told them, change yours for the sake of the gospel. <laughs> if it is, we say, you want to, if it is because of the accent, change yours for the sake of the gospel. That's okay. That's not. Jesus went about all the cities and villages. And I know that was part of his ministry. But some of you go to many cities and many places, vacation, just driving because of your job. And my friend, when you live it here, say, Lord, help me to be followers of Jesus today. 
help me, Lord, to, whenever I go, intentionally to think, how can I make Christ known? How can I do my best there that you give me, Lord, and tell these people that I'm doing their best, not because I want increase in my salary, not because I want personal recognition. All of this is good. All of these are good. But because I want people to know the one whom I serve in any year of life. And then you say, but Dr. Medeiros, how can we really live this way? That's what I would like to come and conclude my point here. And to give you the three other points. Okay, Jesuit means that Jesus was always active. Never passive. Always active and committed and involved in the Father's work. Intentionally. Consciously. And that's the way I want to live my life. But the secret here, my friend, is not the strategy. The secret here is not that he was going about all the cities and villages. And by the way, when you begin to keep reading here, he was ministering to the Jews because he went to the synagogues. He was among the people because he had these people, sick people. And he was among the multitudes. Individually, in houses in the boats, you name it, everywhere. But that's not the reason why Jesus succeeded. And it does not matter what kind of decisions you made strategically. From now on, I'm going to, to, live, to change. And I'm go- By the way, do it. I'm going to change. I'm going to try to know people, co- contact with people, to know a little bit where they're from, tell them where I'm from, and maybe invite them to come to church. I'm going to do it from now on. That's good. But I'm going to tell you now, and I'm going to conclude, what is the secret? What is the secret of Jesus and Paul and Peter and the apostles and every member of the church in Jerusalem? What was the secret? Because when persecution came, these people were spread, and whatever they came, told people about Jesus. And as a result, came the church in Antioch of Syria. Started by believers in, that was persecuted by this for the sake of the name of Christ. And whatever they went, the Bible says. Have you realized that in, in the book of Acts? They are really following Jesus. Because look, in the book of Acts, chapter 8, right after persecution, the Bible says this. I'm going to read to you because then you hear God's word. That's the sword of the Spirit. Is it not, my brother? I tell you, say, okay, good. Now let me read the Bible. After the persecution, the Bible says this. Therefore, whoo, I love it. Under persecution. These guys were going city by city, not because they want to, but because they had to. Otherwise, they would be killed or put in prison. Therefore, those who are scattered went what? Everywhere. Preaching the word. Are they followers of Christ or not? Yes. When you go to the place of work, wherever you go, my friend, do you bless the Lord, give an opportunity, give it a chance. Please, Lord, I want to tell people about you. And I tell people, I'm not, I, please, if you're going to do a surgery, don't begin to, if you're going to do a surgery, don't say, okay, before you do this, sir, let me tell you something about Jesus. The guy is, my friend, operate the man. That's what Jesus is telling you. Do your best. Show your care because of Jesus. 
so that these people around you may know your Jesus. Who were, and these men as well, these women, whatever. What was the secret here? Jesus. Not just that Jesus, that's also Jesus is fully God, fully man. The son of the living God. But the Bible tells something about Jesus that many times we forget. And we should not. First of all, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But not only that. On the day of his baptism, the Bible says that this, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, just finished today, let me give you the secret of Jesus and the secret of every other one. Doesn't matter wh whether you wept or you go. My question is, do you have that secret? What's the secret? Let me read to you two verses of the Bible in Luke chapter 4. Matthew mentioned the Holy Spirit. Luke gives you a detail more about the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. This is the beginning. That's the same thing as you have. The temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4 in Luke 4. But listen, after the baptism of Jesus, when the Holy Spirit descended bodily upon him. The Bible says this, verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, being what, my, bre my brothers? Being what? Full of, filled with the Spirit. You know what the secret of all of them here? Man and woman, filled with the Spirit, filled with the Word of God, telling people about Jesus and living for Jesus. That's the secret, my friend. Without that, nothing is going to happen. I'm so glad we're doing this here. I'm telling people about the greatest means of grace in the Bible. Meditation. Because, and look, it's not only that. Look, go to Matthew 4, verse 14. Luke gives only two verses about Jesus going around. It says this. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. What you have here is a God-man, fully God, fully man, filled with the Holy Spirit, going around everywhere. You know what we need, my friend? We just don't need going everywhere. What we need is everybody, people filled with the Spirit of God, going wherever God sent them and put them and place them. And that's my greatest. Jesus said that to the disciples in Luke 24. After three and a half years with them, he said, all the Bible is about me. Secondly, all the Bible is about my death and resurrection. And all the Bible is given so that you preach my name. As repentance among all the nations and setting forth, and you are my witness. But don't go yet. First, you have to be filled with the Spirit. What you have here is someone filled with God, filled with the Spirit. We're going everywhere. The day of, the Pe of Pentecost, as the people waiting, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit came and they were all filled and began to tell people. My friend, let me tell you, I'm going to, that's be my conclusion here. Do you know what is the greatest need of your wife? Is a husband filled with the Spirit of God. You know what is the greatest need of your husband? 
is a wife. Do you know what the greatest need of your children, parents, filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you know what's the greatest need of the church? A pastor and elders filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You know what's the greatest need of your neighbor and neighbor filled with the Spirit of God? That's the secret of all of them. And I have studied the life of, of the church plant. I have read so many things. And so much on this practice, so much in this and that and that. And they forget that Jesus said, you have all of this here, but you remain in Jerusalem. First, you have to be filled with the Spirit. Jesus read about filled in the power of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul, Peter and John, go to the book of Acts. Peter filled with the Spirit spoke. Paul filled with the Spirit. And by the way, by the way, just to encourage what to teach, to take the, the class of this brother, one of the characteristics of someone filled with the Spirit is that they are filled with the Word of God. They spend time. And by the way, say, Dr. Bedeus, how can I live a life filled with the Spirit of God? I'm so glad you asked that. It's a war, spiritual war, fair every single day. Let me tell you why. Because the only one, the only one, the only way for you to live a life filled with the Spirit of God is using the means of grace that God gave you. The means of grace are exercise that God show as an example in this Bible by which you can get closer and more intimate with Him. And the first one is what? Meditation. Spend time in God's Word every single day. Seriously, take a time. Go, take a book of the Bible, begin in slow motion, at least 30 minutes every single day. Even the kids can, be, can live a life filled with the Spirit of God. And you begin to read in slow motion, asking God to open your eyes because there are beautiful things here. And there are things that impede, and He can remove it in slow motion. Take a time, set apart a place. That you can just do it and go in slow motion. Do it for the rest of your life. And that's the first thing for you to be fed by the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. Second, you know what's the second great means of grace? Prayer. Talk to God. Talk with God. Take time, set apart time. You would say, oh, Dr. I didn't know we need that. Yes, my friends. Jesus, the Bible established the means by which you can access those sources of power. And one is the Word of God. Oh, how I love your Word, this meditation every day. Meditation. Prayer. Based on God's Word. You know what's the other one? Worship. By the way, everything I'm telling you, Jesus, you go and Jesus use all of them. The church in the, in the book of Acts use all of them. And you find all of these things in Acts chapter 2 of God's people. People are living, not only the apostles, but a group of people in the church filled with the Spirit of God. And the Bible says that as they're going through that, the Lord added to the church every single day those who have been saved. He had already added almost 3,000 the day of Pentecost because Peter filled with the Holy Spirit 
and with the knowledge of the word, spoke to them. That's the secret, my friend. I don't have a strategy for you. Acts chapter 2 was the secret of the first the early church. Meditation. They were there on the docks of the apostles. And prayer. And worship. Because the Bible says that they were worshiping. And invest in their resources. And telling people about Jesus. I have no other message for you. And there is no secret. What God does. I have lived my life in that area. In field. I have never heard and read so many books on strategies. That it really nauseated me. Very few about what kind of people. And what kind of type of people they forget. No. First thing is people filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the first question. I don't care whether you have three doctors, two masters. I have three doctors. Can you imagine? Three doctors, two masters degree. I tell people, it's a lot of glory, no money. But I don't care. Some people think because now I have all these degrees, you are ready to go and do the work of God. <laughs> oh, you finish and there you are ready to do the work of God and to pastor. Jason knows better. He has been in ministry for so many years. No, my friend. The secret is people, men and women, young people and children, filled with the Spirit of God. To realize, to do the work of God. Strategy is secondary. When you are living a life filled with the Spirit, you always discover a way to do it. And that's my message for you. And by the way, the other three points, one day I'll send it to you. But that's my first point. Jesus was always active. But remember, who is going about all cities and villages? Not just go, my friend, go everywhere, go to the neighbor. We tell them you should do it. But before, go to your room, close your, the place of your closet, get before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to live a life filled with the Spirit. And the Bible says, first of all, go to my word. Because all the promises here, all the promises here, before the blessed is the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But the blessing here, that state of the spirit, in which we experience the joy and the love and the peace of God, even the circumstances around us are very terrible. Is this? That's the secret. Blessed are those. Believers whose delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. This is the promise. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. 
prosperity here, not theology of prosperity. But the Bible talks about prosperity means that you're going to accomplish what God has bring you and enable you to accomplish. This is consequence. Never motivation. Because the great motivation here, my friends, is that relationship with Christ. Life filled with the Spirit. Go through the book of Acts. And now, filled with the Spirit, he went. And he taught. And he looked at the multitudes differently. With compassion. And he looked at the church and listened. Look, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. That's the means of grace. That he may give the work. My friend, this is the challenge I gave to you and live with you this morning. I don't care who you are. The question is, have you lived a life filled with the Spirit? Your wife looked at you and said, my husband is a man filled with the Spirit. You look at the wife, by the way, don't begin to look like that. You are the responsible before the Lord. And by the way, a person who is filled with the Spirit will never tell someone, hey, you should be filled with the Spirit. I can't see that you're carnal. No, my friend. That's not the way. You can preach like that, like Paul preached to the Corinthians. But someone filled with the Spirit wants to help others to live a life filled with the Spirit. And the means are here. Not here in the computer. In the Bible. Meditation. Talk, hear God. Prayer, talk to God in the way that He teaches me. How long is about Jesus? Come to worship. I hope that you do. You do. You do like David. I was glad when they called me to come to the house of the Lord. Is that the way you feel when you come? Because one evidence that someone is filled with the Spirit, he really wants to come to worship the King. That's the greatest need ever of the church. Not strategy. People filled with the Spirit. And by the way, remember, the means are here. Begin to do it. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, empower you. And you are the first to rejoice with me. Father, thank you very much for your word. I pray your blessing upon these people here. On all of us as followers of Jesus father help us like Jesus as we go about our place help us to do that Lord teaching preaching ministering and help us to look at the multitudes without you with the same compassion we are so thankful to you for Jesus Jesus you came in this world the son of the living God lived a sinless life died on the cross, rose again from the dead, and by dying on that cross, you took our place, you paid for our sins, and you satisfied God. Oh Lord, so many things together. Imputation, propitiation, justification, all at once, so that we could live a life filled with your Spirit as well, and for your glory. And we thank you and praise you, our Father, our Son and Holy Spirit.
and enable us, help us from this moment on to make a commitment, Lord, to use the means of grace. Because it is real and it's going to happen in the name of Jesus.